guys, welcome to She Knows Arsenal. My name is Jessica and I'm your host and you can follow me on Twitter at It's Jessino. How's everybody doing today? I really want to know in the chat box, how are you guys feeling? It's a slow news day. So um, we're not going to be doing a lot of talking about random rumors like we usually do. We'll talk about some other things, but I just want to kind of get gauge the situation. How are you guys feeling about, you know, this is kind of like the first day of the transfer window. I think it officially opened today and um, really snow, like slow news day. So just let me know how you guys are feeling. On today's show, we will be talking about Daniel Eck and his um, second bid that's apparently being prepared or given to the Kroenke soon. And we'll talk about whether or not we think that'll be enough and um, the likelihood of him taking over Arsenal at some point. <laughs> we'll also talk about Maitland Niles. He's spoken out about wanting clarity around his position at Arsenal. And we can talk about his future and kind of his past at Arsenal and just kind of fill in the gaps there. And um, a little bit about Ruben Neves, too. We'll talk about that as well. So let me know in the chat box how you guys are feeling, all that kinds of stuff. And um, we'll go ahead and get started. I want to bring in my guest for today. Super excited to talk to this young lady. This is kind of a long time coming. This should have happened a little bit like a long time ago, but better late than never. Um, she is another content creator here on YouTube, and her channel is called Gunnar Gossip TV. I love this girl. She's so positive, and sometimes I go on her page and try to let that positivity roll off on me. Like Sophie, who it's going to be Sophie, is so positive, and I love that about her. And she has her own voice in this space, and she's just phenomenal. So I'm so happy to have her on the channel today. Sophie, Sophie, you're finally here. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm so happy to have you on the show today. Your knowledge is awesome. You're a true Arsenal fan. Don't you live in Liverpool, though? Is that what yeah. you said before? <laughs> An Arsenal fan living in Liverpool, you know, or around that area. That's that's awesome, you know. So we'll go ahead and get your thoughts on everything in just a second. But I want to bring in my second guest, who is Chris Davison, um, well-known on Twitter. The guy, he kind of knows a lot about Arsenal and, and gives us little tips and stuff on what's going on with the club, um, mixed in with his own ideas and his own thoughts around the club, which I really, really like. So I'm going to go ahead and bring Chris in as well. Hey, Chris, how are you? Hey, Jess. Um, good evening to you and, and, and Sophie. I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me on your show. Of course. I mean, we were both in that that Twitter space the other day, and it was I haven't really been in a Twitter space that had that many people in it. It was kind of yeah. insane. And like you and the other Chris were like giving your opinions and all that kind of stuff. I thought it was awesome. So it's nice to have you on the show today here at She Knows Arsenal. So let's go ahead and get started. So I was kind of going back in time a little bit. And because I remember Arteta saying something, something to the, the effect of, um, you know, this is a good opportunity and KSC is going to be really involved in this transfer window and things like that. This was in May. So I just, I want to go pull up the, the quote. And basically he said, I think the owners are going to be really involved. I think they will be really supportive. We have an incredible opportunity. I'm so excited because I know what we can do with the size and resources we are going to have and the quality of the people we have at the club that those are big words like those are big words he says the size and the resources we are going to have you know so i'm looking at that and i'm like well maybe he's talking about kse investing but there was a time where 
you know, I felt like he said something similar that KSE was going to invest. And then maybe they came a little bit short last summer. So I don't really know how I feel about that. But, you know, we're we're looking at the fees that certain players are probably going to be going for. I'm thinking about players like Granite Xhaka for about 15 to 20 million. Gwenzuzi under 15 million. Bellerin, 20 million. That's what they would be sold for. You know, Chris, do you think that we're kind of undervaluing these players or is it about what you kind of expect in a COVID market? Well, it's an interesting question, Jess. And to answer your question, I think it's a bit of both, to be honest. Um, We all know that the COVID pandemic has had a huge effect on on finances around the world and, of course, especially football clubs. Um, But as you say, you know, the figures going around around Granite Xhaka and Bellerin, 15, 20 million, you would expect it to be high, you know, and um, we've often talked about, haven't we, the the fact that Arsenal bring in these players for a, a substantial fee, a decent fee, and then what we get in return, we, we look to move on those players, is, is nowhere near the value as we bought them. So, I think, obviously, it's important that we take into consideration that we're still going through this pandemic and, you know, the whole situation with the pandemic will have an effect on finances for, for quite a while. It all, we're gonna, it's all about playing catch-up now, really. Um, so I think it's not ideal. It's certainly, um, you know, a difficult one as well. You know, we talk about improving this squad going forward, um, bringing in upgrades to you know, get us back to where we belong, really. Um, we need to be ambitious this summer. It needs to be a big summer. Um, and it is really as simple as that. It's been such a disappointing um, season. Uh, nowhere near good enough for this football club. And Mikhail Arteta, the board, Edu, will know that it's absolutely crucial that they get get it spot on this summer there's no more room for mistakes we've made them far too um, much recently and it's cost us so I think look if we're gonna take into consideration um, what would be a good deal in a COVID market and the club think is fair considering obviously the players views on the move as well it's best for all parties involved I think we'll go for it we'll take it and then use that money and at least try and use that money to um, improve other areas of the squad and obviously use that money towards replacements as well. So I think this is why things are going to take a little while during this transfer window. We're going to try and get the best deal possible. Um, I'd certainly like to think so anyway. Um, And then hopefully uh, things can get sorted. And as the summer window goes on, We'll, we'll get to see a lot more progression and, and things will hopefully start start moving. Yeah, because I was, it's like, I'm looking at these prices and or the fees that these players are supposedly going for. And that's pretty much what I predicted. Like when I did my initial transfer show, when we were talking about outgoings, I thought 15, 20 million for Granite, 20 million for Bellerin. Not because they're bad players, but because I always take the market into account and we're still very much so in a COVID market and the teams that they would be going to are teams in Europe and Europe is skint, you know, so it's kind of like, okay, I'm realistic in in that, you know, respect, but if you're going to sell these players, which some of them are starting players, right? I would think that KSE would have to invest to make up that deficit of what we're going to need to cover in order to bring in replacements for those players, right? So 
Sophie, for you, how confident are you that KSC is going to make up that deficit? Because you can't sell Granite Jaka for 15 million or 20 million and then expect to use that to replace, you know, a starter with somebody else that's going to cost us 40 million, you know? So what is your, your confidence level? If you can even give me like one through 10, how confident are you that KSC is going to stick their hand in their pocket and give us the money? <laughs> um, maybe like a four or three. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> oh feel like confident. Um, I know like Arteta is saying the right things and he always does say the right things. Um, so you might have to invest because as Chris said, like, it's not a lot of money for Shaka, 20 million, 10 million, 15 million for Bellerin as well. It's obviously not enough. Um, and they do need to invest, but will they? I'm not too, I'm not convinced they will, but I do think they have to because I think, you know, we've been protesting against them. And I think with like our voices have been heard in a way. I think we're not doing enough as fans, but I think they kind of know that we're not happy with it. So. I think there's a chance that they could, but they've never really want to put the, they've never want like help us with money or anything. So I'm not that confident. I mean, at some point they need. To, I mean, I just can't imagine them not because not only with the whole European Super League thing, they kind of have to do something to buy the fans back, but they've never actually had to put money into the club before. We've always been able to make a little bit from having Europe but then not having fans in the stands compiled by the fact that we're not going to be in Europe should force them to have to do something. I don't think it will ever be them just giving us free and clear money. It'll always come in some loan where eventually we'd have to pay it back, but they have to do something. But we always have these conversations of will KSC do enough? You know, will they do enough? What is enough? You know, I think a lot of fans have different ideas about what enough actually is. So I want to get your guys' opinions on, you know, what would a good window look like to you? What would be enough? And for you, what is the goal? Some people want top four and then others feel like maybe top six is a good enough goal. Chris, where do you kind of stand with that? What is your temperature on what is enough? Well, I think first of all, regardless of if, if we've just had a, a shocking season and, and, you know, we're, we haven't got any Champions League, European football. We're still Arsenal Football Club. We're still huge around the world. So our standards shouldn't drop. OK, and I think we've still got to aim extremely high when we're looking in the market. If we want to improve, if we want to compete with the very best, like Arteta says that they want at this club and the board say they want, then you've got to go out there and show it. You know, I say it all the time, actions speak louder than words. Um, uh, so, that, you know, let's, let's wait and see what happens. I think, as, as Sophie touched on, you know, taking into consideration the past and KSE's involvement previously, there, there isn't much reason to be sort of optimistic and hopeful. But again, with the pressure over the whole Super League saga, um, with the pressure of Daniel Eck, who we're going to go on to shortly, the KSC will be feeling it. They'll, they'll be feeling the pressure and they will know that they have to deliver. They'll ha they know they have to do something to win the fans. And whether or not that's spending a load of money in the transfer window or communi communicating more with the fan base, we'll have to wait and see. But... I think it's brave of Arteta to publicly come out like he has done 
um, and speak so confidently about the Karonke's involvement this summer and about the, the plans, etc. Because you can't come out and say that and then not deliver. So, look, us fans, us fans know it's a, a huge summer ahead. It needs to be a very busy and, and successful one as well, especially if we want to build on from what was a, a, a disappointment this season. Um, so let's keep our fingers crossed. All we can do is is just sit back and see what unfolds. You know, there's a lot to do. We know that. Um, and because there is so much to do, it may mean we not we won't get everything done. Um, we've got to, to be prepared for that. But I'm hoping that we can get the majority of it done. We've obviously got um, Richard Garlick on, on, on the board now. So he'll come in and, and give Edu and Co a hand as well. I'm sure of that and, and uh, sort of relieve the pressure off them a little bit. Um, so... I'm, I, I kind of am excited. I can't, I can't lie. I'm excited to see the sort of route the club takes. Um, I'm excited to see who we replace certain players with because obviously it is sort of known now that the likes of Xhaka, Bellerin, um, Gwendouzi, uh, Torreira could all obviously all be leaving. Ceballos has gone back to Madrid. He won't be returning after his two seasons here. We've lost David Luiz. There's talk about Bernd Leno leaving as well. So there's so many ifs and buts. I think we obviously talk about the domino effect with transfers um, quite often. And I think that'll just be another case with this window. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm intrigued. Like I keep saying, I'm intrigued to see what happens. It's got to be a big summer. And all we can do is, like I say, just keep our fingers crossed and, and um, hopefully an exciting summer will develop hopefully Sophie what's enough for you like if you had to fast forward to the end of the transfer window and you're like this is enough like what is that what does that look like for you I think I think one thing is like I think I think we do have to accept that they might stay here for a while um we don't mind to forgive them but we do have to move on from that and I think communication is so important um that's what I think um with the fans um but I really want Jack Grealish. <laughs> that would put a smile on my face. And I think it would have put a smile on all of our faces, to be honest. <laughs> that, that would be, like, the dream um, to get Jack Grealish. Um, I know that... I just think we just need a few signings, like a backup left back, a right back. Um, and obviously, we'd like Basuma, but... I think we do need to get rid of lots of players as well. Like Shaka looks like he's going. Maybe Joe Willock, if we could get the money for him and buy someone else, um, that looks good. Um, but I'd, I'd be happy with a few signings like Jack Grealish. I think we all would. But I think the problem is, why would Jack Grealish want to come to Arsenal? That's the problem because all we offer him is like a wage, and I feel like it will be hard. You know, when people come here, why do we attract them? It doesn't. Going forward, I just don't really see anything that's difficult. But, um, yeah, I think I think if I got Jack Lewis, I'll be happy. You hear that? We want to make Sophie happy, bring Jack Grealish. But I think all of us would be happy. It's so funny because, like, even today, like, you, you can tell that we want Jack Grealish so bad. That little, I don't know who posted it, but it was like a picture of Jack Grealish with his arm around Bakayo Saka. And they're tagging us like, here, Arsenal fans, like they're friends. I'm like, oh, my gosh, we are so we are so in the mud right now. <laughs> it's so pathetic. But I would I mean, obviously, I what you're saying about like, why would Jack Grealish come to Arsenal? And honestly, I don't think we've we've earned the right 
to have a Jack Grealish at this point. I don't think that it would he would never come to Arsenal. I just think that the type of player that he is, we haven't built a foundation for him to be successful in. And just like Aubameyang, just like players like this, you bring in your world-class players and then who is he playing with? What does the midfield look like? If you brought in Jack Grealish for $100 million, that would just kill our budget. So I think you miss out on players when you don't do the right things So because you're not available. You, you don't have them. You don't have it. You don't have what, what's required to bring them in. So hopefully they build that foundation. And when the next Jack Grealish becomes available, you know, these next really good players were in a good place. I think it's out of the realm, like it's out of our reach right now. But I'm not going to say players like Jack Grealish would never want to come to our. So I think it's more about us not being able to get him financially than him not ever wanting to come to Arsenal, if that makes sense. Chris, do you have a temperature on that at all? You know, what are your thoughts on Jack Grealish would never come to Arsenal type talks? Well, as Sophie said, it's certainly the dream and it would it would certainly put a smile on my face as well. But um, I think at the same time, as you just both touched on, we've got to stay realistic. Um, we haven't got any European football. Mm. Um, and obviously... You know, a lot of people are, are unhappy after this season, and rightly so, and, and questions will be asked. I still think, and this is just a personal opinion, I still think we can attract big players. You know, um, we've seen it before, haven't we? And, you know, targeting certain players, trying to bring, bring big players in. And regardless of the situation we're in, because we're Arsenal Football Club, because we've got such a big image around the world and the class and the history that you associate with it. Um, and obviously, of course, being in the Premier League, which is the best league in the world, it, it does attract people still. It does attract players. So I certainly wouldn't rule us out making a big move this summer, whether it's Jack Grealish or anyone on that sort of level or price tag, it would, it would remain to be seen. But um, I... I, I I, I, I never say never. You know, I think we saw it with Party, we saw it with Pepe, two sort of huge, huge players in demand, top class, top level. Um, and despite all the interest, especially in, in Nicola Pepe a couple of seasons ago, just despite all the, the interest in him from some top European clubs around the world, some of which had Champions League football, he still chose us. Um, so... We've got the potential, we've got the ability to still attract big players. Um, and like I said, I wouldn't rule that out this summer. But at the same time, it's important to stay to stay realistic, not, not to get your hopes up um, too much. Um, I think that's the key. Just don't get your hopes up. Like, don't exactly. be waiting by your phone. Like, is it happening? Just, you know, don't hope. Like, don't do it. It's the hope that kills you, you know, kind of Exactly, thing. exactly that. <laughs> So um, let's move on a little bit, though. So we've kind of talked about KSE and whether or not we think that they'll, you know, invest. But there's somebody else that's kind of knocking on the door a little bit, wanting to to buy Arsenal or to own Arsenal or whatever. Daniel X, second bid of two billion is said to be on its way or being prepared or whatever. And that's according to Sky Sports. And, you know, I just want to get your guys thoughts on this, because for me, I cannot invest myself in this at all because I just can't see KSE selling unless it's like an astronomical bid, you know, way over the odds, you know? So although it's closer to the valuation of Arsenal, I just, am not sure 
if it makes sense, you know, but it's nice to see that somebody's interested, I guess, you know, it's like being like, um, wait, you know, as a woman, Chris, you wouldn't know, but like wanting, you know, being like, do they still find me attractive? Like, would somebody still be interested? And then somebody asks you for their number. You're like, yeah, they're still interested, but you're still married to this guy. It's kind of like that a little bit, you know, but um, Chris, what do you think about the whole Daniel Eck new bid, the second bid coming in? Well, I'm not surprised. Um, Eck, alongside the the legends he's he's working with on this project, made it very clear that they're not going to go away anytime soon. They're in this for the long run. Um, but as you said, Jess, uh, whether or not KSC will accept is a totally um, different matter. At the end of the day, they hold all the keys here. Um, they are in the strongest position. So... You know, as you say, I think it would have to take a huge bid to sort of turn heads. Um, but again, it's encouraging. You know, we know now that obviously if this second bid does go in, we know that Daniel Ek is extremely serious. You know, the first sort of bid wasn't just some sort of PR stunt. Um, and uh, he's going to pursue it no matter what. It, it might it might take a while. It might be extremely difficult. <clears throat> Excuse me, but... It, it it seems as if he's going to stick with it and and keep trying, and all us uh, as fans can do is is support him, keep spreading the message that we want uh, KSE out, keep making our feelings fought and known, um, and it will obviously be interesting to see how it how it develops, um, but uh, I can't see. Um, anything happening just yet. I think if anything will happen, it will be. Um, uh, sort of later down the line uh, as far as I'm aware KSC uh, are fully preparing for a busy summer uh, and concentrating on, on giving their support to to Arteta and the board um, and like I said <clears throat> it's it's a good opportunity for them to sort of win the fans back a little bit um, and sort of prove a point maybe get, uh, get the supporters off their back so um, yeah, I mean it's 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 intriguing. Um, Danielette can keep trying, he can keep pushing, and I'm sure he'll do that. But KSC seem comfortable at the moment. They they know they don't have to sell, they don't need the money as they sort of confirmed to to Daniel himself. So um, it will be interesting to see sort of what figures we're talking about to see sort of um, heads being turned and and what happens in the long run. But as you also touched on, Jess, it's it's nice to see someone genuinely interested, someone who who understands the club, is a supporter of the club as well. Um, that's really important. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I guess it's, uh, it's one of those things, isn't it, that it, it could go either way. It's just a case of um, waiting to see what happens. Um, and... Obviously, I, I'm sure you'll, you'll both know that I'm, I'm very much against the Cronkays. I, I want someone uh, new to come in to 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 take this club forward, who I think is, is fit and healthy to take this club forward. Um, and it would it would it would seem right now with with what he said and what we know about him that with Daniel Leck, he he could be that person. So fingers crossed. I know fingers crossed, and it's kind of like what. I don't know. I want to get Sophie's ideas on this, but when you look at other teams that are, I mean, we're looking at Chelsea and they're putting in like $60 million bids 
for Hakimi and they already have two right backs, two right backs that easily walk into our team and start, you know, uh, Holland, you know, Manchester United going after Sancho, uh, Manchester City supposedly being interested in Jack Grealish. You see these types of things happening. And Sophie, do you kind of feel like the only way that we would be able to compete with those types of teams on that level would be only if somebody were to take over and inject that level of cash in? Or is there a level of success that we can achieve with the Cronkies in charge that's acceptable? I feel like personally, there's a ceiling there. But what are your thoughts on that? It's a difficult one because like, I don't I, I don't see it because you see more like competitive teams and you've seen like, say, Sancho Harland, like if they come in, and Chelsea have been unreal last season. You know, Man City, Liverpool, Man United, like, they're all getting better and better. They're all buying better players. And we're kind of stuck with average players. And it just doesn't, they just don't care enough to want to buy some players. Like, I remember watching the Champions League final and it was so hard watching Chelsea win that. But it should maybe spur them on to, you know, want to buy the good players so we can be at their level. So... Yeah, I just I don't see it personally. Um, I think it'd be difficult to get top four as well with them in charge because like it all depends on what happens with our transfer, who we buy, um, who we get rid of as well. But I don't really see. It. I think it'd be really difficult. Um, but hopefully it could happen. But I'm just not that positive about it. Oh my gosh, it's so true. And you just think like. There's even teams that are below us that have very ambitious owners. You're looking at like even Aston Villa, Leicester. Well, Leicester's not below us, but even Leeds, they have a really good owner as well. Um, Brentford, very well-run club. I don't think they're coming to the Premier League to get relegated. You know, so a team like Arsenal, I feel like we're we're vulnerable. Like we're really vulnerable right now if we don't have that big summer. And for me, a big summer means being smart. You know, we could spend a lot of money and still end up in the same position that we're in. So if we're not smart, we could definitely get left behind. But I do agree with you. I think there's a ceiling um, with owners like KSE because not only do they not, you know, they don't really invest, but they also don't care enough to get the right people in charge. I'm very vocal about the fact that I'm not 100% sold on ADU. Like, I'm just not. And I think you know, you're taking a risk on Arteta. Why would you take a risk on the people above him as well? He needs somebody experienced in and around him to get things done. And it just feels like we're kind of flying by the seat of our pants a little bit and taking liberties with our future, which at this point is really under threat. So it's just, it's weird. And like, even if they wanted to have a self-sustaining model, which is perfectly fine with me, the only way for that to work is if you have the right people in place <laughs> to get us the right players in and sell high and make sure that things are flowing. And up until this point, we've literally been a shambles of a club. So it's it's tough to take, you know, but we just have to hope that things work out. But I, I agree with you both that I don't think Daniel Eck is coming in anytime soon. Um <laughs> So we'll just see, you know, but we got to talk about it because it's the news, right? But let's talk about something that's a little bit more tangible, something that uh, it's about a player that we actually, that's a part of Arsenal, obviously has been on loan, but I want to talk about 
Maitland Niles. You know, he came out and and had some some interesting things to say. And I think the Maitland Niles issue, or not really an issue, but just his story at Arsenal is just so complex that I want to have a longer conversation about it. He said he said a lot of different things. You know, that he wanted clarity on his position and he wants somebody to call him and and you know talk to him about what they want to do he said that he knows that arsenal want to sell players and make money and these types of things but he also said you know he kind of talked about how difficult it's been for him he said you know you get called up for england you regularly play for your your club you go to an england in england camp then everything disappears and you no longer play for one or the other you don't really have any contact from the, the international scene or the club. I thought, what do you want me to do now? What am I supposed to do now? And I think that's it's interesting because from that perspective, you would think that, you know, basically Maitland Niles is trying to say that like he has no explanation for this. He has no idea why this is happening. I went back and looked, you know, kind of how much Maitland Niles kind of played last season and he starts the first game of the season after, you know, the Community Shield and the FA Cup where he was a big part of that for Arsenal. He starts against Fulham as a wing back. You know, he had that kind of like special position where Tierney was playing left sided center back and he was kind of playing wing back and it was working. And then he kind of faded in and out. You know, Saka played against West Ham in that wing back position. And then from that moment on, it was kind of like he played sometimes. He mostly played in Carabao Cup you know, beginning of Europa League. It was very strange. But we all know that last summer he was linked with a move to Wolves and it never came to fruition. We were told it was because Arsenal didn't, they didn't think the valuation or the the fee that Wolves wanted to buy Maitland-Niles for was big enough. But they also wanted him as a, as a fullback and maybe that had something to do with it as well. Chris, I just kind of want to get your, you know, your thoughts on Maitland-Niles and his comments and what do you think of Maitland-Niles' future as an Arsenal player? It looks like it's over, but, I mean, it's so complex, isn't it? It is, and I, I don't think he's going to be the only one who's going to want clarity on his future uh, in the coming weeks. Um, talk about Willock, talk about um, Maitland-Niles, of course, Enketia, Reese Nelson. These are all players that obviously have been out on loan or have hardly featured for us this season. I think with Maitland-Niles, he made it very clear that ideally he'd like to play more in a central midfield role, further up the pitch. And that was very difficult for him at Arsenal. We obviously had brought Thomas Partey in, Granite Jack is there every week, Arteta likes El Nenny as well. Um, Joe Willock was, was obviously playing there as well from time to time before he left on loan. And... I think he just fell out of favour a little bit and there there wasn't sort of any room for him. Um, even if we wanted to try and play him at right right back or, or right wing back again. Obviously, we had Bellerin. Callum Chambers then came into the whole um, situation again and put in some really good performances. Um, Tierney, obviously, is at, is at left back, left wing back. And then when he sometimes wasn't playing, we'd use Cedric there, Saka... So I just think there wasn't any sort of room for him to, or any chances, I should say, for him to get enough game time this season and to develop more as a player. There's no doubt there's a talent 
in in there somewhere and he's he's shown that quite a few times I think he can improve I think he can get better and I think he has the potential to do that obviously we need to remember he's still fairly young but I mean of course it, it would it would be wise to see what happens this summer in regards to the central midfield midfield positions we know that as I mentioned earlier Jacques is likely to leave alongside uh, Guendouzi, Torreira that obviously opens up some more space in that area, in that position. Does that mean Ainsley Maitland-Niles could be given another chance in his more ideal uh, position, in his more ideal role? Maybe. But again, I think if Arsenal have a few players like Ainsley Maitland-Niles, Nketiah, Reese Nelson, Willock, who maybe aren't going to get a lot of playing time each week and could raise funds, I think Arsenal will seriously look at it and consider it. Um, so there's there's got to be a lot of talks with a lot of players, especially those yo, yo, uh, those youngsters, sorry, um, who haven't been playing much. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see what happens. And I think, like I said, they're all very talented. They've all got a lot of potential. They're all young. So, you know, I think we could raise some, some decent money for them as well. Yeah, I've always viewed Maitland now as a... I think he's a good player, and I think he has the type of athleticism and running power and stuff that you need in the Premier League. Now, whether you rate his technical ability, that's different. But I think in positions like wing back and on the wings and fullback, he would he's so good. Even at right back, I thought he was good. And I thought he was perfect for that inverted, like right fullback position that Arteta was playing him as when he first got there. And then things just kind of went off the rails and Maitland-Niles' Arsenal career since then has been very much this, you know? And so it's just difficult because when you're 24 years old, you, unless you love Arsenal, like you feel like this is the only place you want to be, you're going to want to start day in and day out, especially if you have dreams of being on the England national team, which feels like it's really, really important to him. And I can't imagine what it felt like to get a taste of that and then to be completely shut out because I know people are focusing in on the Arteta part, but he also said that he got no communication from Southgate either. So that must have been really harsh on him to feel that way. Like, I bet on myself to go play midfield for West Brom, and then now nobody's even talking to me, and it's, like, crazy. So I can only imagine, you know, but Sophie, like, Sam Allardyce had a very interesting interview that he did before he left West Brom, and he essentially just said that, Maitland-Niles, like, you know, Arsenal has a lot of talented midfielders. And if he if he could give Maitland-Niles any sort of advice, he would say, go back to Arsenal and literally just play whatever position they want you to play. Like, that's your best bet. What are your thoughts about Maitland-Niles wanting so badly to be in the midfield, but maybe not being, I don't want to say good enough, but maybe not being everybody's cup of tea in that position? You know, what are your thoughts on it? It's a difficult one because obviously that we've Greenwich Jack is still here, Partey, um, El Nenny. It depends on who we keep as well, but I think at Arsenal he's just always going to be a good squad player. I think that's really it. I think that 
I think I think it's kind of like a risk taking him back and having a go with him again. Um, but I do think he does deserve to know where he stands with things, like if his future is at Arsenal or if he wants to leave. I think if he doesn't, if Arteta doesn't see him in the future, then I do think he should leave. And if his dreams are to play for his international team, I think you know he should work hard to get there. But I do feel bad for him about the communication because I think he does deserve that. Um. But, yeah, I think in the midfield, it's difficult. I think I would personally rather get money for him because we need the play. We need better players than him. I do think he's a good footballer, but maybe not just for us. What, what do you think that we could actually get for Maitland-Niles at this point? I mean, he's probably a lower Premier League championship-level midfielder, and... I think top six teams would take a gamble on him as a right back slash wing back, but he doesn't want to play there. So this utility player that would, I mean, he would be an excellent utility player, but as somebody that wants to play midfield, you know, the teams that are going to want him in that position are going to be probably have less money. You know, what do we think we could get realistically for Maitland Niles? What do you think, Chris? It's, it's a tough one. Um, I think I'd, I'd like to hope, considering he's he's homegrown, he's English, um, at a good age, um, and he's got a lot of a lot of talent and and potential to improve. I'd like to think we could at least get around fifteen million for him. Um, so uh, I think that would be a fair price. Um, again, I think uh, if obviously anyone's willing to come in and pay more for him, then uh, happy days. That's great. But um, I don't think you're going to get a lot of that this summer. So um, talks will be taking place for a number of clubs. I think I was reading earlier that um, Crystal Palace have shown interest in him as well. Um, so, yeah, I think the, the, the more, the more uh, clubs interested in our players, then obviously the, the, the better chance of a, a good deal um, coming in. Uh, so um, we'll have to wait and see. Like I said, I think not only with Maitland-Niles, but some of the other youngsters as well, especially Joe Willock, who's had a, a fantastic end to the season. Um, I think we could raise some some good money from them, and obviously use that elsewhere in the squad, and uh, to upgrade in those areas as well. One hundred percent, I agree with that. And a lot of people in the comments are saying ten to fifteen million, and I think that's the the reality, to be honest. Like, and that's why when I look at somebody like Willick, and I'm like, I love Willick, and I think that he's exploded from his his loan. Like, he looks really really good. I don't think his value is ever going to be higher than that at Arsenal because when he, if he comes back to Arsenal, he's not going to start. So we could have sold Maitland Niles to Wolves last season, you know, based on the reports for 15 million. Now we're looking at 10 to 15 million with a player that's in the press complaining about Arsenal. Like, you know what I mean? So just sell Willick. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just go ahead and sell him now, and then we can get the right profile that we actually want in that position. But speaking of Wolves and, you know, the fact that we could have sold him to Wolves, you know, there's reports coming out that maybe we could revisit something like that and maybe use him for a makeway for Ruben Neves. Chris, have you heard anything about that? Or can you give any shed any light on it or just give your general thoughts on it? I haven't heard anything uh, on that myself, but again, it, it would be a, a sensible thing to, to look at. Um, obviously, the most ideal, ideal situation is that you're interested in a uh, player from a certain club and that respective club is also 
a fan of one of our players, that always sort of increases the chances of maybe including a, a player in a, a potential deal. So, um, you know, it, we've obviously heard those sort of r- rumours with Enketia and Brighton as well, if we're to go for Basuma. I think we could see those sort of deals happen quite a lot this summer, not just obviously with Arsenal, but with, with other teams in general. It brings the price down in the overall deal a little bit. And um, yeah, it's just a sweetener to it as well. Um, so, I mean, if we could do deals like that, I think they'll be clever. I think they'll make sense. And um, yeah, I think it would obviously at the end of the day be best for all parties involved as well. You guys, make sure that you guys are liking the video and subscribing to the channel. There's like 60 of you guys watching. And when I go and check, I want to see 60 likes. Let's let's do our assignment. If you guys are actually liking it. If you guys are watching it, I'm hoping that you guys are liking it. But Sophie, so over the weekend, we're sitting there. We've lost out on Buendia, right? All the tears are falling. Oh, my gosh, we haven't gotten Buendia, da da da, da. And then like a couple hours later, they're saying that, we're interested in Ruben Neves. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on the whole Ruben Neves thing? I got to get your thoughts on this. I, I've not, I try not to think about it because I was really, really sad for Emmy Buendia. <laughs> like, I was one of those fans where I, I, I generally thought we were going to get him. <laughs> and then when we didn't, I was really, really gutted. Um, so I've just like, I don't, I mean, I think we do have to think about it. I know, I think a lot of fans, some aren't keen about it, some don't mind it. I mean, I mean, I draw of Emmy Brindy, obviously, but I think, I think, it, I don't mind it. And I think, obviously, Wolves, um, I think it'd be a good, I don't know how I feel about it, really. Um, I mean, I think we'll just have to see what happens, but um, I've not like read too much about it because I was so sad about Brindy. I was heartbroken, but. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of people that felt like it was like connected in some way. And I just don't see it that way at all because they're not similar in profile or anything like that. But I was shocked. I'm not going to lie. I'm still trying to make it make sense. Like Mm -hmm. trying to make it feel like the right thing when Eves Basuma is literally sitting there like, hey, (laughs) come get me. I would evolve your midfield. I would make you into such a better team, you know. And so I have my own thoughts about it. I think originally I was like very against it, like very, very against it, but mostly because his name is not Eves Basuma, not because I don't think he's a good player. I just was like, no, it just has to be Basuma. Then I went back and watched some of the Wolves games, compilations, trying to understand this player, looking at his statistics. And he is a good player. I'm just not sure that he would evolve the midfield. I think he would improve what we already have because he's basically a better version of Jaka. I know people are like, he's not better than Jaka. He is. He is. And because he's 23, he has the ability to be better than Jaka if he wasn't right now, which he already is. But the problem is, is that he's dictating the midfield and Thomas is protecting. Whereas I feel like with Basuma, you have two players that are press resistant that can kind of share it and we cover more space. You know, players like like Neves and Jaka need handholding because they're kind of slow and um, they can't cover area. So for me, I'm still trying to make it make sense. Chris, can you do that for me? Can you make it make sense? <laughs> do you like the Ruben Neves links? How, what do you think about it? I can certainly try Jess, but um, look, I think with, with Neves, I see him 
as a Granite Xhaka replacement. If there was sort of, if you ask me, oh, Chris, who do you see as a, a Granite Xhaka replacement? You know, who do you see us getting in if he was to ever leave? I would have said someone like Ruben Neves. I think he's a good passer of the ball. He sort of um, makes to look things happen from the centre of midfield going forward, picking up those long passes, a great, great long passer, a great eye for goal as well. These are all sort of things you'd um, associate with, with Granite. And of course, uh, a leader. Um, I think the most ideal situation, certainly from my point of view, is is getting both Neves and Basuma in. But can I see the club splashing 35, 40 million pounds on a player that may not start every week? Uh, I, I, I can't. Um, so it, 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 I'd say this is just my gut feeling and I'd love to be proved wrong. I'd say that it would be someone like Neves Basuma along that sort of price tag and then maybe someone cheaper to come in as well because there's no doubt about it. We need at least two midfielders, uh, two central midfielders um, with Xhaka, Gwenduzi, Torreira all leaving, potentially Willock as well. Um, like, we, like I mentioned earlier, Ceballos is, is, is uh, not coming back. He's returned to Madrid. So, um, again, it's a, another... Um, interesting one to keep an eye on. Uh, I think what's interesting and what is sort of reassuring to know is that Arsenal have two or three different targets for each position. So they've got a plan B, they've got a plan C, and obviously the most ideal outcome is getting those plan plan A's. But um, we've, we've got to be realistic and um, be prepared that that may not happen. So um, I'd love... Basuma, like like Sophie said, is sort of my um, uh, top target as well. Um, but I wouldn't say no to Neves. I think uh, I think he is a slight upgrade on on Granite. I think he he's got a lot more to offer as well moving forward because he's still young. Um, and what I will say is, and what I do like about these links to to uh, these type of players is that they're Premier League proven. We're going to be getting players, and we're looking at players that have already adjusted to the Premier League, English football, the country. The only thing they would need uh, adjusting to is sort of the, the style of play at their new club and the new surroundings. Um, I think some may argue with like, well, surely that's the case of William, but with William, he's just passed his best anyway. And that was, that was a mistake. Um, but uh, that's encouraging to know that we're looking at sort of uh, English uh, Premier League, sorry, players, um, and people that could come in straight away and, and um, uh, have a quick start, make a difference right from the off. So uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens. But certainly with, with Ruben Neves, I think um, uh, people need to sort of realise that he's a, an upgrade on Xhaka. He'll have a lot more to offer moving forward. And uh, we could do a lot worse, really. That's the truth. We could do a lot worse. You guys are about 45 minutes in and I want to have about maybe five to 10 minutes of, of questions for Sophie and Chris. So if you guys could go ahead and put your questions in the chat box, just make it obvious that it's a question and also like the video and subscribe to the channel. But yeah, I think it's, it's, you know, I had to go back and like take away my reactionary hat. Like sometimes I can just be like, Oh my gosh, just get Basuma. But he is better than Jacka. <laughs> he literally is. Like, I watched two games and I was like, no, he is better. He is. But there's a lot of talk about Premier League proven, like even, you know, GKSA, not the Premier League proven term. Sophie, is that important to you? You know, players that have already played in the Premier League, you know, 
I'm not sure that I like need that in my life, but is that something that's important to you and the players that we look at that they can just kind of come straight in and they know the league already? I think so. Well, when we did get William, go ahead. When we did get William, I was because he's been in the Premier League, he's won so much. I felt that that was a good thing. Um, so yeah, I do think that. But um, I think they've just got to understand like the English game in the Premier League um a bit better, really. Um, but yeah, I mean it's, it's different with William. But hopefully, yeah, that's all I've got to say. What do you think, Chris? You know, I think um, you make some good points, Sophie. And I, I mean, some people may not like it when I, you know, when people say our oh, Premier League proven is important and stuff like that. But when you look at certain players like Pepe, for example, Gabriel, um, you know, I just think they're players that have come in from abroad and they it, it took them. I mean, with Gabriel, he got off to a good start. Let's get that that, that right. He's done very well. But then he sort of, you could see that he was still adapting to the league. He had a lot of learning to do. And obviously with Nicola Pepe, it's taken him a while to, to get going. And I just feel that with, with additions of, of players that have played in the league for some time um, and have already adapted to the style of, of play in the English um, Premier League, I just think they, could, they can have a quicker start and they're, they're more aware, more aware of what to expect. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. We could sign a player from abroad. They could come in straight away and, and, and be fantastic, like right from the very off, right to the very end. But um, I think uh, there's always a better chance of that happening if you're getting a player um, from from the country or from from the same league. True that. Yeah, you guys, I was just on the phone with Jack Relish's agent, just, you know, <laughs> trying to work out, sort out those last bit, bit of details. You know, I got I got you guys. I got you guys. Don't worry. But um, Jim Housen has a good question. Hey, Jim. So he's asking favorite Arsenal player and why? So I'll go to Sophie first on this one. That is a really good question. Um, for me, it's got to be Ian Wright, and the reason why I say that is because he had so much passion when he played, um, and obviously nowadays we don't see much passion anymore, and um, I just thought he was a brilliant player. I felt like he was one of us on the pitch, who gave everything. Um, I also do like David Rocastle as well, because he really valued the club, um, he knew what it meant to represent the badge, he gave everything, um, so yeah, I'd probably go Ian Wright, but I do love David Rocastle as well. What do you think, Chris? I, I could I could name so many, and there's there's so many former players that I admire. But um, you know, someone like Tony Adams, who literally gave absolutely everything for this football club. You don't get a, a centre half like him nowadays. Um, he he bled Arsenal, um, and again, uh, he 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 knew and understood the values of the club. He knew what it meant to represent the club. Um, so I'd have to say Tony Adams, but again, you know, the likes of Ian Wright, Henri Burkamp, there's Vieira, there's so, so many. Let me just get the list of the Invincibles out and just peck them up. Pretty much. All of them. All of them. (laughs) Exactly. And, um, well, my answer to this is going to kind of bleed into this, this other question that's here from Dubber Ducky. But so, and thank you for your super chat. So for me, my favorite Arsenal players have always been 
Gilberto, Sil Gilberto Silva and Patrick Vieira. Also Ashley Cole, but he broke my heart. So I never really talk about him. So those two, 100% to me, are, is what a midfield should be. It should be a partnership. One should play off of the other. And Gilberto allowed Vieira to do Vieira things. You know, we talk about Conte doing Conte things. Well, Vieira did Vieira things before Conte was doing Conte things, okay? The most well-rounded midfielder, a lot of people felt like Vieira was a, a DM. He wasn't. He just did both sides of the ball. You know, midfielders had kind of gotten so specific over the last couple of years that they were just really good at passing, really good at this, really good at that. He did everything. He scored goals. He got forward. He got back. He was a leader. He was everything. And Gilberto allowed him to do those things. So now, what does I have to do with this question? Dubber Ducky asks, I like Basuma as a player, but what do you think of a pivot as Thomas of Thomas Party and Basuma? Is, is that good enough? Does it lack some passing? It doesn't. It doesn't. The reason why I think people don't think Thomas can pass or lead us, you know, in the midfield is because we haven't seen it yet. And a lot of players play roles based on what the team needs, and that doesn't necessarily reflect their actual ability. Thomas has always said that he wants to defend like Michael Essien and attack like Yaya Toure. And the only time we really saw that was in the last game of the season when we saw him getting into the box and being a goal threat as well. The only way that you can do that is if you have a shutdown CDM behind them that can do the dirty work and allow them to go forward. And I'm sorry, you don't pay a $45 million release clause for Thomas Party and make him sit and allow Granit Xhaka to, to man the midfield or to lead us you know, through a game. You just don't. So for me, it doesn't lack passing because I think Thomas has an excellent passing range. You know, he can do short passes. He can do, you know, no look passes, fades, over the top, cross field passes and between the lines, you know, passes that other people can't really do. He can do those. So for me, it doesn't lack passing. And Yves Basuma is also a good passer. He just doesn't do it at Brighton because that's not what his job is. So I think that's an evolution of a midfield. Um, but that's just what I think, you know? So, I mean, do you guys want to add anything on that? Do you think that it's limited in its passing? Everybody has a different idea of what a midfield should be. What do you think, Chris? I think, no, I think you, you hit the nail on the head there. I say the only thing they probably do lack Thomas and, and uh, Basuma is, is the goal threat from midfield maybe. Yeah. But I think if, I think if, uh, you've got a, a good player in front of them, who um, is known for for scoring goals and, and providing assists? Then it's not you know a huge thing. One thing that I like about or like the thought of about um, Party and Basuma is their work rate um, and is sort of their box to box style. Um, I don't think passing's an issue, as you you said, Jess. I think they're, they're both very good passers and uh, good on the ball, comfortable. Um, so yeah, I, I'd say the only thing you're probably missing from them is the goal threat but if we can add a, a decent number 10 an attacking midfielder going forward uh, then uh, it's obviously their main job to to provide that anyway 100% you know um and i think those two players they allow your your tyrannies and your right back and your front three front four to get forward and do their job and that creates goal threat for me versus like having 
a Ruben Neves who's going to score the odd screamer every once in a while. Like it, it's, you know, and you know how they get when they get to Arsenal, they act like they've never shot the ball before. It's like they've never scored a goal in their life, you know? So um, there's that. Aslan asked, I think, yeah, Aslan asked, hey, Aslan, um, you did the the Twitter spaces the other day. That was super awesome. He asked, if you could buy one player who we're not linked to, who would that be? Sophie, I think you already gave yours away. You said Jack Grealish, right? Because yeah. we're not really linked with him. So, Chris, what do you think about this one? Well, um, someone actually uh, tweeted that question the other day. And funnily enough, I, I, I put Ruben Neves. And then a few hours later, those links come about. So <laughs> um, I can't actually use him again. So I don't, I don't really know, to be honest. Um, I don't I don't really care as long as there's someone really good. I, I suppose I could use Jack Grealish as well. Those the, the links to him hasn't, you know, it's not been anything concrete or confirmed mm-hmm. as such. So I, I'll probably have to, to go Grealish, I suppose. Or or James Madison, maybe, someone like James Madison. To be honest though, like I know everybody's kind of freaking out about the attacking mid situation because I know it's like we need somebody we're desperate for somebody to permanently replace Mezzanozo. I know that that's what it is. It's we're filling a void, you know, and with Odegaard being a lone player and everything is really cooled down on him a lot, but don't shoot me in the chat box. I know you guys don't rate him, but you guys, I really think we should go after Julian Brandt. Hear me out. Hear me out before you come after me and come for my neck. I know we're kind of linked with him a little bit, but 25 million, for a German international. And I always say this, that we're too quick to say players are not good um, because they have a bad season, you know, or a new coach comes in and they don't want to use this player. Dortmund have um, like eight or nine midfielders, you know, and they're all really, really good. So when Lucien Favre came in, like over time, Julian kind of fell off and it's not his skill level. It's just the fact that he's not being used. And, you know, when you don't play, you're not at your top level. And I think he's lacking confidence. He's somebody that I would go for. And like, if you don't think that he's good enough for Arsenal football club, I mean, he played like, come on, like, who do we have? Like, who do we have? Like, you know, so he's somebody that I would actually look at and say for 25 million, you bring in Julian Brandt and you forget about Odegaard because you're not going to be able to get him for anything less than 40 million. Like, you know what I mean? And I know he's kind of like, not shiny, not new, not super hyped, but I think going after players like that, that you know have the quality and you've seen it before, like it's not somebody that we're thinking about potential. Like he's already shown his potential. We know he's good and getting them when nobody's really looking at them and they desperately need to move. That's what I would go after, you know? So I actually like Julian Brandt and he's somebody I would bring in in that attacking mid position. Um, But I was just thinking about that because you said Madison, who looks like he's fallen off just a little bit, but still a quality player, you know. What do you think about Julian Brandt, Chris? Hate him, love him, whatever. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I must admit, um, I haven't seen him play too much at at Dortmund. Um, Again, I think when he was at Leverkusen, um, a really, really exciting prospect. Um, I think think he'd be a good option, um, without a doubt, especially maybe someone to look at if we can't la- land our sort of n- number one target. And I guess the other positive with, with someone like Brandt is he's quite versatile moving forward. He can play in the number 10 position. He can play on either wing. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, 
again, he I don't think he's obviously had uh, many opportunities. I think it was sort of similar to a Martin Odegaard uh, situation where he wasn't getting much game time. It's obviously his confidence would have gone with that as well. Um, so maybe new league, new chance, new challenge. Um, and obviously as well, still young, he could do quite well. Um, that's, that's a good shout, Jess. Yep. You guys here, I guess I'm going to get on the phone in just a minute and talk to Brandt's agent and just try to work that in because um, we need an attacking midfielder, but it needs to make sense. So, but we're just at the hour mark and that's as long as we need to go for the show. I think we did a really good job. It seems like the comment section was really loving it. Hopefully with 73 people watching, I see 73 likes. Let's make sure we get the assignment done. Let's make sure. All right, Sophie, let everybody know where they can find you on the internet so that they can subscribe to your channel and follow all the Sophieisms because I'm just living for it right now. Uh, my YouTube channel is Guna Gossip TV. My Instagram is Guna Gossip TV. And my Twitter is TV underscore Guna. Make sure you guys subscribe to Sophie and um, follow her on Twitter and Instagram. Chris, where, where can everybody find you? Yeah, well, thank you very much for having me on your, your show tonight, Jess. It's been a pleasure. Um, people can find me on Twitter at C Davison underscore AFC. It's just 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 there if you can see it. Um, and uh, I'm obviously always keeping all the Arsenal fans up to date with the latest developments and uh, the latest news. And a frequent writer um, for the Arsenal review as well. Link is in my Twitter bio. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you both for being on the show. I'm going to go ahead and just um, talk these guys out. So I'm going to let you guys go and hopefully I'll see you guys again. Okay. Bye, guys. All right, you guys, that's the end of the show. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you guys enjoyed my guests. I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation. Um, I actually really enjoyed this one. I think we covered so many good things. Um, later, 10 p.m. UK time, as usual, I'll be back for the headline show. And um, yeah, I'll see you guys then. Bye, y'all.